everybody, and welcome to I Don't Care the Podcast with your host, Alexia Stefano, who is me. This week, we have a very, very, very special guest coming on to have a conversation with us about journalism, the film industry, feminism, and her life. Her name is Meg McCarthy. She works for Cherry Chats. Sorry, she works for Cherry Picks and does Cherry Chats and has a podcast called Cherry Pop. So this is the interview with Meg McCarthy. I hope you enjoy as much as I did, and I think her as well. Okay, well, hi, Meg. Thank hi. you for coming on. I don't care. This is a podcast that really only started because you were like, just start a podcast. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. And so literally the next day I went on Google and I was like, how do you start a podcast? And this everything was telling me to use RSS. And I was like, okay, whatever, go. And I started it. And then I asked you to be on it. And you were very nice and said, yes. And here we are. So thank you so much for being so lovely and coming on. I appreciate it. Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. I have to say, like, it's been incredibly inspiring watching you just like, go for it. And um, it's, like seriously like I'm so I really admire that so much I wish that I had done I think I was also when I was talking to you about it I feel like I was also a little bit talking to my younger self um and what I wish someone had told me to do and um I was just so impressed that you just like got it up and going and it's just been incredible and congratulations oh thank you so much that means a lot so you work at Cherry Picks and you do Cherry Chats, which are Instagram lives uh, that you interview a bunch of actresses and also other people in the industry as well, not just actresses. Um, I love the Cherry Chats. I'm always there, first one sometimes, and uh, they're just so interesting and even though I don't know everyone that you're interviewing, it's still just like such a fluent conversation where I don't feel like I need to know their projects. Or, But by the end of it, I'm like, okay, I want to watch that. I want to watch this. So I love it. But you also have um, a podcast named Cherry Pop. And you do more interviews on there, but it's mainly focused on talking about sex in the industry, film, which I love because it is... Uh, it's an ever-evolving thing on TV that still is so, it's so viewed from the men's gaze still today and something that we need to change and is slowly being changed. So I love the work that you do because it is so woman-focused and that is my heart and soul, being a strong feminist, so I appreciate it so much. But when do the cherry chats come out or when are they live and when do the cherry pops come out? I know so many cherries. Um, right. We love the cherry branding. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's crazy because um, oh, the cherry chats. So we started the cherry chats right at the beginning of COVID because we wanted to sort of keep up the momentum of staying in touch as women or non-identifying cis men in the industry um, and to keep sort of supporting each other because at that time, I mean, you know, for actors specifically yeah. or filmmakers, they're just like the work just stopped. So we wanted to make sure that we kept sort of 
um, showcasing and shedding light on all these incredible, you know, women out there. Um, so since then we've done about like 200 cherry chats, maybe more. I don't even know. I don't even keep count anymore, but, um, we go, I go live. So they're all live. And I do about, I would say on average, maybe like four a week. Um, and, and then with our podcast, um, it's a little trickier because, um, we always aim for sponsorships. So we're at the, the work a little beholden to waiting for that to happen. And then we sort of, um, uh, what's the word we kind of like recreate, um, sort of the topics and the talent around the sponsorship. So if we're like being sponsored by a beauty brand, um, mm -hmm. for example, then we're going to seek out, um, talent, um, and topics that sort of is appropriate for that sponsorship because, you know, I'm, I'm sure like you listen to podcasts and they have ads and it doesn't make yeah. any sense. And it's like, why it feels so out of place. So we try to make that every everything feels authentic and you know makes sense. Um, so sort of the the podcast more come to us, um, and um, we're hoping for it to become more of a regular thing. Um, and then but the cherry chapter just something I think that it's been really cool. Like the industry yeah. kind of just knows about them now, so they'll reach out to us. We'll reach out to people. Um, and it's just like a constant machine that like never yeah. ends. I love it. it's really great yeah because it's just it really is you do a lot like you do a lot of interviews mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and that's it's really awesome so speaking on a lot of people coming to you you going to them however that process works you and your co-workers Katie and Courtney started the cherry chats now, did when you started it, first of all, how did you guys come up with the idea? Because pretty much all interviews are not on Instagram. They are pre-recorded and then uploaded on YouTube. Yeah. And you guys are doing it differently. And also, did you expect the outcome that you have? Oh, I mean, no. I think that, um, yeah, I don't know what made honestly it was like so long ago and I don't know what like who had the crazy idea to be I I think I just had seen at the time like Miley Cyrus had an Instagram live show it's like everyone was sort of going live as a way to keep connecting during COVID it was like you know March 2020 everyone was freaking out everyone was inside um and I think you had a lot of creators who just wanted to keep creating and didn't want that, that to just come to a halt. And so I kept seeing like Miley Cyrus go live, like some of my favorite brands go live. And I was like, why can't we go live? Right. Um, and, and our first guest was actually um, my friend at the time, um, Danny Pellegrino. He has a really successful podcast called Everything Iconic. Um, mm, such a delight. I know and he's a male um which is so ironic but he yeah. he's been someone similar similarly to what I kind of a lot of the advice I gave to you he had given to me um because I went to him um kind of at the start of sort of becoming an um a journalist 
yeah. um, because he was sort of, he was doing it very successfully at the time and he was so gracious. And so of course I was like, all right, let's kick this off with someone who's fabulous, who's fun, who like loves pop culture, who I know, you know, we did Groundlings together, which is a improv, like a comedy improv place. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, it'll be fun, like to get, you know, cause it's like scary your first time it's live. But the, oh yeah. I mean, but it's, but it's also like, we, we were building our brand. So it's not like we had like crazy views at the time, yeah. but, um, I would also dance in those earlier lives. I've had, yes, I would ask my guests and Danny, Danny joined me. Mm-hmm. I would ask them because again, this was like in the middle of COVID where we, we were yeah. all kind of losing our minds. Yeah. We needed to get the energy out. And, um, it was sort of just a place it started off as like a safe place to just chat, to vent, to uplift, to support and to have a good time. Um, and, and then it just sort of like was a snowball. It kept rolling and rolling. And then the more that guests would come to us, we would then get more guests and it just kind of like snowballed into this beautiful show. Um, and you know, here we are two years later and I don't know. I mean, I think to your point, we've done so many that, and I haven't, I truly haven't really like had a break that I haven't stepped back and reflected that much on like, whoa, we've done so many interviews. Um, I just know that I have a blast doing them. Um, It's my favorite time of the day. It's, um, it's inspiring to me. It keeps me going and, um, I love it. I love it. And it's like, I forget it's live. I truly do. I I really do. And I think that's over the years, we've had a few, a few guests that were like a little hesitant at the live factor. Right. Cause like also for reps, PR reps, they're probably terrified. Like, yeah. What if their talent says something like wrong or gets nervous or, you know, it's not the safest thing, but I've never had not once anyone feel uncomfortable. Knock on wood. Yes. Knock on wood. Because yeah. it's like, I, and, you know, it's like we did, everything disappears. Yeah. Um, and you can tell when you watch that too, that um, everybody is so invested. You're into the conversation. Your guests are into the conversation. And I feel that every guest that you have on from all the interviews that I've watched that they're enjoying their time just as much as you are and that they're probably feeling like this is one of the best interviews that they've been in because they're getting asked questions that, you know, aren't the same ones they always get asked. And it's not, you know, it's not just I'm an interviewer and you are the celebrity. It's we're women in the industry talking about the industry. Exactly. Conversation. That's yeah. why you're so fantastic at this. I mean, I can already like feel your passion off the screen because I think too, it's like when we're creatives, like I'm, you know, I grew up acting and dancing. And um, I think that at the end of the day, you said it, it's just like two women having a conversation. Like, and what is better? Oh, nothing is better. Genuinely. Better. <laughs> There's more women. It just, it, it's, 
Oh, nothing is better. Speaking of women, mm-hmm. you, so at Cherry Picks, it is, we've talked about it, super centered around women, but have you ever worked in the past where, you know, you have a job that maybe you have more men as bosses or just you're associated towards the manly environment, whether uh, compared to cherry picks and like, how does that compare? Like, how is it working with women? Oh my gosh. It's so different. Listen, I'm, I'm married to a man. I love men. Um, I grew up with two older brothers who are fantastic and very respectful toward women. Um, but there's nothing more magical than working with women. Um, I think that it's just sort of, unfortunately still such a part of our culture that it's so male dominated. And I think I've been in, I I've had um, more corporate jobs, um, where I've been in rooms, I've been in boardrooms, um, where I was just terrified to speak or I was like, you know, had my, I was like, kind of like twiddling my thumbs under the table, like waiting and, you know, palms sweating because I'm like, Meg, you got to say something or no one's going to take you seriously, or you have to like interrupt here. And I remember just concentrating so much on how to approach um, the room or when to say something um, instead of actually what I was saying, you know what I mean? Um, And it's, it was just, it's exhausting. I think, I think um, it's really emotionally draining. And again, I don't think it was like I had, um, you know, some great, male co-workers I don't think it was necessarily their fault I think it was just the environment that we all sort of um, grew up in yeah and, and I too men in their nature are so competitive as well yeah. and they want you know they don't realize maybe but that comes off to us I think as a little bit intimidating yeah. or whatever and it puts just an expectation on us to be better Mm-hmm. And, and we we could have just done nothing. We could be sitting there and, and we feel this pressure just because we can sense the the competition to be the best or whatever. And it, it can be intimidating for yeah. sure. Oh, Even yeah. I mean, I remember too, yeah, like being in school, um, college and high school and even grade school and, you know, that feeling intimidated to raise my hand. Um <laughs> And being worried about being taken seriously or feeling like I had to say exactly the right thing. Um, and that that's, a, you know, such so much pressure. And I think that um, at my job, I never think about those things. I never think about those things. Yeah. Um, I'm not like really strategizing um, how to do something. I just do it. And that's when the work gets done. So yeah. it, it can be so much more efficient. Um, when you're not kind of worrying about, you know, worrying. Yeah. Yeah. And talking about getting work done, what is your process when you have a guest? Like, what are the steps that you take to prepare for the interviews, whether it's for the lives or for the podcast? Oh my gosh. Watch, 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 watch. Um, it's amazing to me how many journalists don't watch or prep for interviews properly. I think that um, 
I personally don't love to watch other interviews um, mm. because I get in my head. I have a, I, it, it, it gives an unrealistic expectation, I think, for that guest. Like I'm making assumptions about maybe the guest that I shouldn't based right. on other interviews. Um, so I just watch, watch, watch and research. Like just, um, yeah, it's a lot of watching. It's yeah. Watching. That's why when people ask me, what are you watching? What's good? I just like stare at them for 10 minutes because I'm like, I, there's, too, I watch too much. Yeah. I'm sure you do because you, yeah. I'm, I wonder, do you even enjoy TV anymore or does it just always feel like a job to you? It's interesting. It's interesting. I do. I do. I haven't gotten jaded to um, film and television. Thank God. Um, but it is distracting. I have had moments where I've, sometimes when I interview someone, I've, you know, I, I haven't watched what they're promoting yet. And then I watch, and then I watch it and then, you know, do the research. But then sometimes, you know, I watch, I'm already a fan. I'm already like a super fan of yeah. their work or the show or, you know, show that they're promoting. And then it's tricky because sometimes I'll, like I was, when I was um, interviewing Yasmeen Fletcher from yeah. Miss Marvel, I love yeah. Miss Marvel I, so much. I loved it before I interviewed her and I loved it after I interviewed her. I can and tell throughout the interview. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Um, and my husband and I watched that show together. And I remember he was like, do you want to watch the next episode? And it was like, you know, maybe like nine or 10 o'clock at night. And I was like, no, because I will be, because when I watch, I jot down everything. I jot down all my thoughts. Yeah. Um. So I was like, I can't, it's like, yes, I can enjoy it still, but I would be too tempted. I can't just purely watch it. Yeah. I, I would be too tempted to write down all my thoughts and, you know, just like, I have like a notebook that looks like a serial killer's, you know what I mean? Oh. Not like, um, so, so that's the only time that it gets a little tricky. Um, I do sort of have to compartmentalize it. Um, but just for my brain, but, um, but yeah, I'm, I thank God I still love, I still love, it doesn't, I, nothing's gotten like ruined for me yet, but I do like, you know, I do tend to, and I think like all of us do, um, decompress with something at night that's maybe not like the best of programming. Right. Yeah. For but, me, it's CSI, CSI or Bones, any of those murder mysteries. I'm like, yes. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I'm, I never watched, I don't know why. I never watched Friday Night Lights. Mm, I neither have I. So good. Is it? I should. So good. Um, right. It came out, I think, in two thousand six. Um, okay. So it's like two thousand six to two thousand twelve, maybe, or two thousand thirteen is the span of the show. And um, I never watched it, so I'm rewatch. I'm like watching Friday Night Lights right now. So that's where that's where I'm at at the end of the day. But yeah. And it's like really, I'm enjoying it very much. Love like, that. Yeah. yeah. I yesterday I started to um, watch Dynasty again because I didn't realize that I left halfway through 
season four. And then I watched your interview and I was like, oh, wait, I forgot I was watching that. And so, yeah, I went back and I was like, okay, I, I love dramas. I love anything that has like a horror kind of vibe to it. And Dynasty mm-hmm. isn't, but like some episodes can be. Um, so yeah, I, I got back on and I was like, oh, I forgot how much I love this show. That's fun. That's fun. Yeah. I, do. I love a good drama too. I love a good drama. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's like oh. my, like, I'm not a big reality gal. I don't watch a lot of reality TV. So I need my drama. I need my like scripted drama. Oh, we're in this household, me and my mom, huge reality fans. <laughs> I just don't know what's wrong. I just like never got on board. And like, I feel like I have a huge, like, it's bad. It's a huge blind spot, I think, <laughs> my knowledge. It's, it's one of those things where you either love it or you don't. Mm. And uh, my aunt and my uncle on my mom's side, they really don't like it. And they're like, you guys realize when you watch it, you're rotting your brains. And me and my mom are like, we don't care. We love it. It's so good. Yeah. But even um, I'm having someone else come on the podcast. And we're going to talk about a reality show, Big Brother. I'm sure you've heard of the competition show. And so, yeah, as I'm watching it, I'm taking notes. I love the show regardless. And I have long conversations with some of my friends about it. Mm-hmm. But because I'm having someone come on the podcast, I'm like mentally taking all these notes as well. So as you were saying that, I'm like, I kind of get it. Yeah. yeah it, it's different. It's different. Watching for conversation and then watching it for fun. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It's different. I want to talk about something that I'm kind of sad about. <gasps> oh. Um, so the cancellation of the wilds, mm-hmm. oh, but also they canceled first kill on Netflix as well. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I watched both of them and obviously my love goes towards the wilds. It's my top in my top four of all time favorite shows. Um, but then I was like, they're both very female centered shows. Mm-hmm. They both um, focus on, you know, relationships that are in the LGBTQ community and they bring up topics that in today's society we need to talk about. And so it was really upsetting that, especially with the wilds, that I won't know what happens in season three because the way they left off season two, ugh, but also that we won't get that representation anymore. It, oh, it's so heartbreaking. And a part of me is like, well, did they cancel it because it's talking about things that maybe they don't want on their, you know, platforms or something? And it was bringing up a bunch of questions to me. And I, are you sad about, especially the wilds? Yeah, I'm, I think everything you're saying that was, that was so beautifully said, because um, I couldn't agree more. I think that both with both of those shows, um, they're, they were so wildly popular because people saw themselves, um, you know, and that was, that's so important. And, yeah. um, I think the wilds so sad because we were cherry picks was there in the beginning. I feel yeah. very, it, it's not, I mean, I'm, I'm sad as a, as a fan, but I think I'm more sad for those, for those gals. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, 
for all of them. They're all so lovely. And I know how much this show meant to them, both personally and professionally. And I think that I'm more heartbroken for them as actors um, and as Sarah as a creator. Oh, um, my, um, it's amazing. I, my dream would be to work with Sarah Stryker for sure. I mean, I think she's going to be, I think that they're all going to have great careers. Um, oh, yeah. I think that this show really opened the door, a lot of doors for all of them. So I'm yeah. excited for their future, but it's also, I'm sure that they're, you know, heartbroken right now and it's frustrating. And, um, and I think I'm telling you, I mean, and I know the fans probably agree, but like bringing in those guys, maybe wasn't the best idea. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I agree. I agree. I watched season two. I mean, I watched the whole show multiple times and the first time I watched with bringing in the guys, I was like, come on, but we love our girls. But then I watched it again. I watched it again and I was like, you know what? I like these guys. They're awesome. They're cute. They're, they're great. They're nice. I just think it was like, I don't know. It's, it's really, I mean, there's been a lot of, um, there's been a lot of recent articles specifically. So you've got The Wilds, which was on, which was on Amazon Prime video. And then, and it was also, not only was it their first kind of female-focused show, but it was their first YA show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was obviously a huge hit for them. So I don't know. I mean, it's hard to tell because we're obviously not behind the scenes at Amazon, um, knowing like, you know, what the viewership was for season two. But obviously the fans were are, were very dedicated and in love with these characters. Um, and then for on the Netflix side with First Kill, which I, you know, I'm a sucker for any vampire tale. Um, I talk about that all the time on Cherry Chat. So I was like in, you like, I mean, yeah, the poster like had me in. Um, but I thought it was incredible. It was like the first, you know, um, LGBTQ plus, you know, focused vampire series. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, people felt seen. Um, yeah. And there has been, I did read an article recently um, about sort of Netflix specifically, like canceling a few of their, their LGBTQ plus shows, like after, or I don't want to miss it. Yeah. But it was, I think that people are definitely taking notice of the fact that first kill, um, got canceled the way that it did. Um, it's just so hard to tell because we aren't, I always like to give people the benefit of the doubt. Like, you know, I'm, we're not, I'm not in those rooms to have those discussions of like why they're canceling. You never know. It's such a complicated industry, but yes, it's like, it feels like a weird coincidence that we have these very, you know, fan-based, like a huge fandom around these programs that are LGBTQ plus, you know, series um, with predominantly like female casts. Um, and clearly people want that kind of content. They want to see that kind of content. They're craving that kind of content. So I think it's just a big heartbreak and it's very frustrating. Like you mentioned that these shows got canceled so early on. Um, but it's also like, it's kind of feels like with the industry right now, like it's three steps forward, five steps back. Um, 
I, I see progress being made. The more that the interviews I do, I know that there's progress being made in terms of like how people are being treated, um, you know, representation, like, but we're just not there yet. So it's like, it's like such a bummer, but does it necessarily surprise me? Because I feel like studios specifically sometimes don't make the smartest decisions. Mm-hmm. And, um, but hopefully all you can hope is that studios will learn from this and yeah. see the disappointment and and hear the disappointment um, and hear the anger from the fans. Um, I mean, you have the similar thing going on with like the Batgirl movie that, you know, was supposed to come out on HBO Max. And then that right. got like canned, um, which has a lot of people outraged. So I think like, People are voicing their opinions. That's always the most important thing. And hopefully yeah. they're being heard. Um, and I think if we we will always be so thankful for a show like The Wilds for opening the door for yeah. shows like it. Um, and hopefully Sarah keeps keeps writing, keeps producing. And, you know, we never know what she's going to give us next. I know. she She's brilliant. I mean, to be... Oh, I also love because I've watched every single interview to do with the wilds, like all of them. Um, and she said in many interviews too, that pretty much all of the characters have some sort of characteristic or past um, experience that was her own. Mm-hmm. And so I really loved that. Like the tea uh, mm-hmm. with uh, Shelby, she mm-hmm. grew up with, like um the what are they called not dead like a retainer yeah retainer like she grew up with that so she put that into Shelby and and all she just had so many experiences which I loved because it made it more raw and real personal I mean that's what you want right that's what like and I think that at the end of the day I'm just so thankful that the wilds was made I'm so happy that it was greenlit right like even though we only got two seasons, which sucks, like don't yeah. get me wrong. But what's so cool is I don't think a show like that would have been even considered, True. you know, X amount of years ago. And the fact that it is so personal and it's so meaningful and that it's LGBTQ plus focused and female fronted. Um, and that, you know, Amazon was like, let's make it like, it's just, that's really exciting. Yeah. So like, I, I try to hold on to that progress while also obviously being it's it's important it's a balance right it's like you it's like we, we need to be outraged because if you're not outraged um then nothing gets done yeah. um and you know so but yeah I love I mean Sarah's amazing so hopefully I mean I know it's not even a hopefully like she's a oh it's 100 percent. yeah yeah I would love for an interview with you and Sarah one day uh. that amazing oh my god I would love that I would love even that. even with Amy Harris the three of you would what a dream what a dream what um, a dream um I want to talk about you kind of growing up and because we've talked about this briefly in our dms but let's talk about it more so what were because for me I thought I knew what I wanted to do in high school. I kind of knew my whole life that acting was what I wanted to do. But, you know, my family was never into that idea. So I was like, okay, I will go into 
um, skincare and become a medical esthetician. And I was enrolled in school and I was going to do that. And actually it was Lindsay Morgan, who from the hundred, who had an interview and she said, don't have a plan B because you will fall to that plan B and you won't make plan A happen. And I sat with that for maybe 10 minutes. And then I ran to my bedroom. I looked up um, acting schools in Vancouver and I emailed a bunch. And the next day I had interviews with them. And then I had an audition and I got into a school. And that's where I went. I told my mom, I'm like, hey, I know tuition is due. We're not going to for it because I'm going to acting school. And I was paying for my schooling anyways. So it wasn't like, well, you can't go because I'm paying because I was covering that. Mm, so anyways, wow. my is, is that like throughout high school, you might think that one way your life is going to end up, but it, it goes a different way. Did you know that acting for you was what you wanted to do in high school? I did. Well, first of all, I love your journey so much. Um, I'm it's wow. Like the fact that you were paying for your school, how incredible. Like you should be so proud of yourself. Um, just, just wow. That's like incredible. Um, yes, I knew what I wanted to do in high school. I knew what I, 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 um, I feel like it's so funny because I was talking to Chandler Kinney from Pretty Little Liars Original Sin yesterday and the way that she talked about falling in love with storytelling, I was like, oh, that's exactly sort of what happened with me. I, my earliest memory, like, I don't know when you're like three or four was sort of like performing and falling in love with storytelling. And like, I started um, dancing at a really young age. I did competitive dancing and I loved that. But what I loved most about it was telling a story through my body. And like, I was a very like emo kid. I still am. I feel like a very emo adult, but, um, I was just, I, I was just one of those kids where I just like felt too much, you know, right. I feel like I, I carried it all. Like, um, I always felt very like, it's like that beautiful, that's empathy, right? Like you feel right. others and you want to like share that. And mm. um, I, I felt that at a very young age. And I, at the same time, I was always a fan. My mom introduced me to like classic movies at a really young age. So yeah. I fell in love with like singing in the rain when I was like five and I was a very weird kid, you know? And so I always knew that I needed to be part of that world. Yeah. Um, and of course I started doing, I remember like my first play was when I was in like first grade and, um, I just loved the, the energy between myself and the audience. And I was like, all right, I want to act. This is what I want to do. Um, yeah. so I did a lot of musical theater as a kid. Um, yeah, a lot of acting as a kid through community theater, musical theater, um, and loved it and loved it. And then got into NYU for acting very same, like very similar. Like I did not have a plan B. I remember I went into our, you know, the college, what do you call them? The orientations? The, no, like at my high school, like the, oh my gosh, what's he called? Like the guy that helps you figure out where you're going to school. Very good. Yes, love counselor. Oh my gosh. Woo. Um, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I went into my college counselor and I always had good grades in school. Like I was always in good classes, but I wasn't like, you know, I'd get like A's and B's. I wasn't like a straight A student, but I would, 
you know, smart enough. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he said to me, I said, listen, I'm going to NYU. And he was like, I don't think you can get into NYU. Oh, wow. He's like, what are your backup schools? And I was like, I don't have a backup school. Um, so I went and I auditioned for Tish at NYU. I did early decision and I got in. Yeah. Nice. Same thing, right? Don't have a plan B. Um, and, and I felt, and you know, and that was a whole other world being in sort of like a proper conservatory, uh, acting conservatory was, was a lot different sort of than kind of playing and doing theater as a kid. Yeah. Um, and you know, the training got more intense, but I still loved it. And school led me to get an agent, um, which, and this was all in New York City. And that led me to do a few commercials, some music videos, um, you know, smaller things like that. Yeah. um, Which made me get a little cocky. And I was like, I've done, I've done a commercial. I've got a music video. I'm moving to LA to be in the movies. Um, So, you know, I moved to LA. This was about 12 13 years ago. Yeah. And um things just weren't um happening the way that I wanted them to or as quickly as I wanted them to. Yeah. Yeah. Which is frustrating. And you know, this is what we were kind of chatting about before in our DMs. It's frustrating mm-hmm. because you at that point, I felt like I put in a lot of effort. I had yeah. acted like my whole life. I had, you know, done community theater. I had just, you know gone to NYU, graduated from like one of the best acting programs in the US, had done a commercial, had done a music video, had done little things here and there, and wasn't really understanding why things weren't happening for me. And, and that's when I started doing the groundlings. And, and I just sort of realized, it's not that I have a problem with hearing no, I think that rejection is good you know, it builds character, you know, it's okay to be, re- failure is, I, we yeah. talk about this all the time on Cherry Chats, failure is beautiful, Um, you know, you got to embrace it and not be scared of it and trust yeah. your instincts and trust yourself, Um, but I'm so happy that things worked out the way they did because I just didn't like being told how to look, um, mm. what to do, like a manager once told me that I should remove my mole, um, and it's like, I, I, what? yeah, like why? And I never, luckily, I think I always had a good sense of self. Um, and that's a thanks to my parents and my community and like my friends. And I was just like, no, I'm not going to like change who I am um, to fit in, to get a role. You know, all the classic stuff, like you're, you're pretty, but you're not pretty enough to be the like right. the it girl, but you're not like, not, you're like, too pretty to be like the the like sidekick. I mean, this was like, you know, this feels so archaic now saying yeah. those things, right? But that's what I was told. Mm-hmm. And I was like, screw this. This is why I was like taught when I was talking to you, I was talking to my younger self because yeah. I wish I became right at that moment. Now, at that moment, I was like, you know, probably like 20, 23. And, you know, I probably for a year it was just like crying and being angry and you know not being productive and i wish that i was more productive during those years 
but it did lead me to start. I made an animated short. Hmm. You don't ask me why. It just like, I was like, I was like, let's try this. Yeah. Um, I had a story. So I like raised money and I hired an animator and it like went to a few festivals. And I was like, you know, I tried directing and I tried doing this and I tried doing that, which led to like the YouTube videos and, you know, doing sort of, um, you know, doing sort of like film reviews and doing like movie hosting in that space, which was so new at the time. So. I think at the end of the day, long story short, I always knew I wanted to act. I always knew I wanted to. I was always creative from the beginning. But I think that life throws you curveballs, but you got to stick with your guns and listen to your gut, but also not be afraid to be proactive. I think in our field, you have to be proactive. And I'm, some of the people that I admire the most are, you know, are women in this industry who, you know, were told no and then pivoted and then blossomed as a director and then went back to acting or produced or yeah. just wore many hats. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that we're seeing more of that today. We're seeing more of that being, I think, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it wasn't as supported. It felt more like a long shot. But I think now we're seeing an outpour of like support for, for wearing many hats and, um, and it's really cool to see. And um, I'm excited for you. Like you have such a beautiful career ahead of you. And really it's like, it's in your hands, which is so exciting, right? It's exciting. And it's also terrifying at the same time. Of course. I love that it's in my hands because I always say like, if I succeed, it's because of me. If I failed, it's also because of me. But at least I tried everything that I could. And so yeah. that's like, that's my thing is because I'm I'm like, okay, when I'm in my deathbed, what do I think my biggest regret will be? And I, and I think it's if I don't try. And so I'm like, well, you have a 50-50 chance if you try, but 100% chance of failing if you don't. Uh, so exactly. Exactly. I wish like, and I'm telling you, I spent a lot of years not having that attitude. And like the fact that that's the attitude you have now, it just like gives me so much hope. And I just know you're going to go so far because um, you're so driven. And I think that um, it's just incredible. And I think it's something I really admire. And you've heard me talk about this on Cherry Chat. Like, I really admire about your generation that I feel it wasn't as supported at, w- with them when I was your age. And I feel like, and it can be overwhelming, I'm sure, because you're like, okay, what do I do? Do I start like a podcast or a YouTube channel? Or do I go out for auditions? Or do I do this or do that? Or like, it's like, okay, but now, I mean, I feel that way. And like, you know, I'm in my thirties and I'm like, oh my God, should we be just doing something with like cherry chat on TikTok? But I'm like, but like how, you know, it's like, yeah, it can be exhausting, but that's kind of the world. And it's, I feel like the more that you're just like block out the noise and just do what feels good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you find your own way and your own way of doing things because that's, like it's all about authenticity. We, I mean, you've yeah. heard me talk about it a million times, but it's so true. It took me so long. I was so many, I was trying to be so many different versions of Meg in my life to fit in a box so someone would tell me yes. 
you know, like dyeing my hair certain colors, like wearing a push-up bra, um, doing this, doing that. So I would have a better chance, but I was doing, I wasn't doing it for me. I was doing it because I was being told to, and it didn't get me anywhere because I wasn't being my true self. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's really the core of it, right? Because at the end of the day, we're, we want to be happy. That's kind of like, I feel like everybody's end goal is happiness. Mm-hmm. And so it's if you, yeah, if you do things for other people, then at what point do you get that happiness? And do you find your, I guess your passion or whatever. So mm-hmm. as soon as I, I, was like, okay, I'm doing acting and I'm doing it for me. It became a thing of everybody else. You can tell me what you want to say, but I'm telling you right now, I am ignoring it and I am doing my own thing. Yeah. And that, that has caused quite a bit of problems within the my family, but I'm like, it's at the end of the day, I'm choosing my career. And so it's probably because they love you so much and they're just, they, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's for sure that, but I do make it clear that, um, you can choose to support me or walk away. Yeah. And that's like, I think with me and I'm aware of this, that I know how to set boundaries for myself and for other people. I, I, I'm pretty good at it, but I can still be better for sure. But that's um something for me that I'm like a pat on my back and I'm like, okay, good for you because yeah. that's out in, in your favor at the end of the day. And it might ruffle some feathers now, but you know, it'll be okay. And so I am grateful that I know how to do that. Um, within my family, at least with strangers and friends, I'm like, Oh, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's a start. And that's incredible. Yeah. Like that type of self-awareness is like, invaluable. Mm, Yeah. Thank you. So, okay. I, I love this conversation, but I want to go back to, um, movies for one second Mm -hmm. and, or the film industry as a whole, whether it's, you know, watching it or being a part of it, but why do you feel that the industry is so impactful, um, for people? Because it's, really everybody has a TV and everybody loves and can get into watching TV movies, reality, whatever it is. Why do you think it's so impactful for people? Oh my gosh. I know. I mean, I think that for a lot of us, it's this, the first thing that we're ever exposed to. Um, because, like you said, it's so accessible. Um, yeah. You know, if everyone has a TV in their home, it's like, I mean, I see my nieces and nephew who are so little and they already have, they're already looking at content on their iPhone. So already before they even are aware of it or choosing to do it, they're absorbing, um, you know, film and TV and yeah. it's seeping into their little heads and mm-hmm. it's making impressions. And I think that it's a really powerful thing. And that's why I always say that, you know, all content is important. I mean, and that it's a tool. It's like we have, it's kind of the number one tool, especially in this world where, I mean, I love, I'm an avid reader. I still love like to hold a book. 
Right. But like, you know, a lot of folks will just, you know, read on their phones or read on their Kindle or so it's like, it's where we get our information. We're still like, even, um, the screen, whether it's like, we're watching a TikTok video or watching a movie, it's like all seeping in there. Um, and I think that that's why it's so important. And, you know, to, that's why representation is important. That's why inclusivity on screen is important. And because those little baby brains are getting the information before they even know what a TV is or what a movie is. Um, and so I think that it's just so ingrained in our culture. It's like, um, it's something we can all relate to no matter where we live, what age we are, like, you know, you know, what our gender expression is like, we can all watch movies (laughs) Um, and, you know, or TV. I feel like now it's like TV and movies feel like the same thing because you have all this informed television, uh, like with the streaming services that feel very cinematic. Yeah. Um, But it's just, that's why I think it's just that's why I think content is so important and like making good content and real content and authentic content. And because yeah. it can be a tool, it can be an educational tool. Yeah. 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 I just, you're so right. I didn't even think about all the kids and like everything. Cause it is crazy. Like every kid nowadays, they, you know, they have their own phone or an iPad or a computer or whatever. And I'm like, I didn't have any of that, but good for you. But yeah, yeah they're like, TikTok or I don't even go on TikTok. Like I go on there once a week to post about my podcast and then I'm gone. Like I did my job. I did it. It's like, yeah. 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 It's just like overwhelming and Mm -hmm. it's crazy on there. But me too. I'm actually in a book club Mm -hmm. and um, with Louisa D'Olivera was in the hundred and they she promotes like a Kindle kind of thing mm-hmm. and, you know, use this little device. And I'm like, no, I need to buy the book and I need oh, it. That's how I am. Like, sorry, trees. Like I feel bad, but there's nothing better than like holding. Mm-hmm. <gasps> like, is there anything better than sort of like feeling your book like halfway through and like, seeing oh, yeah. read, you know? Yeah. And like checking how much you have left. And when you're done, like closing it and being like, oh, you were good or being done. <laughs> glad I'm done with you. Like, yeah, I'm, I've got my closet is clothes and books. I and- love that. I love that. It's so, I mean that, and that's like, here, let me ask you a question. Like when you read, do you like see a movie in your head? Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. It's all happening in, in my head to where Sometimes I can even get confused where I'm like, did I watch this or was it a book? Like, sometimes did I dream that or did that happen? Yeah, Yeah, I love good books. Mm -hmm. And again, I really read like horror. That's my genre. Mm -hmm. Um, That's fun. What's your, what's like the best book you've read lately? uh, I actually read... I've been reading everything from this one author. Her name is Elaine Cook. Uh, she's yeah. from Vancouver, which is cool because I love supporting local local people. Um, and I've just been going through all of her stuff because it's so good. So anything by her, 
I am in, I've read. Uh, so really, I love all of her stuff. But one of my favorites is called um, Unraveling Isabel. And it's kind of, it's funny because I was telling my friend about it. Because it, it's got a little bit of, you know, stepbrother, stepsister relationship type situation going on. <laughs> Very cruel intentions. Right? She's like, you're disgusting. And I'm like, no, no, no. I promise if you read the book, it makes sense. Like, you're gunning for them the whole time because they're stepbrother and sister. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I that book it was my first book that I read of that author that got me into her so it, it's got okay. a place in my heart Ooh, I have to check that out that sounds fun yeah I love it okay so I have some rapid fire questions and it's okay, love. Very, very funny because the first question is what's a book you want to see turned into a movie or oh TV? my goodness um oh that's such a good question Right? I think that was my that's favorite. That's a good question. I might have to steal that. Okay, I have to give you credit. No, no, I won't steal it. I, I'll, if, you, if I see you on one of my chats, I'll say, this is from Alexia. This is a great question from her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love that. Because I have asked in the past, what's your favorite adaptation? But this is so much better. Oh, my gosh. Um, oh. I mean, I did want, I do love like, um, like a Sally Rooney. Um, I loved, um, normal people. That's not, oh a movie. I'm sorry. I know it's a TV series, but, um, yeah. I haven't, I conversations with friends, I think was, I, I enjoyed it, but not as much as normal people, but she, she um her latest book beautiful people or beautiful world where are you hmm. is that what it's called i don't know i'm gonna write down whatever you say oh, to let's me. like i just want to make sure beautiful world yes beautiful world where are you um okay. i would like to see i'm really like rooting for a, like i want the caliber of normal people like I just loved that show so much it's been it's one of my favorite shows ever um and I never I didn't read the book first um and then I have a really hard time if I've watched something reading the book then okay yeah if I watch something if I watch the adaptation I'm not going to then go back and read the book right but um so since I since I saw normal people first, I never actually read the book. Mm. Uh, but then, so this is the first time I'm read. I read a Sally Rooney before there's any sort of adaptation. So I would love to see then what they can do with a beautiful world. Where are you? And I actually think that it would make a better movie than series. Okay. Uh, so. She just writes really interesting female characters. There's also a great book that I really loved. Um, see, this is what's wrong with me. Too much no, reading, too much watching, watching, and I forget. Um, I forget just because I forget. Not even, there's no excuse. I just forget things. <laughs> I have to write everything down. And my, it's so funny because my little library's in the other room. I have like all uh, my books up. Um, nice girl. Was it like nice girl? A nice girl book. What's it called? A very nice girl. Okay. Okay. That's um, I loved that book so much. 
Um, and I think that would make a fantastic movie. Um, again, really sort of like flawed female characters that are very relatable um, and really well written uh, by Imogen Crimp is the author's name. Um, a very nice girl. So those would be my two picks for that. I did just buy, speaking of horror, um, I did just order um, Bones and All. Okay. Which is, um, I don't know if you saw the trailer, the, uh, the Timothy Chalamet. Mm, um, no, I have not. Okay, so they made the movie already, but okay. it's not coming out until October. So we've got okay. time to read the book. Okay. Um, it's with Taylor Russell um, and Timothy Chalamet. And I think you'd like it because I believe, I believe it's a YA sort of like horror romance. And like, like, let me just say, there's like some cannibalism, I guess. Love, right? Well, we we don't support, but we love. Because this is this is called like the imagination, right? And it's like a big world out there, and no, we do not support. However, and it's interesting because it's female cannibalism. Because I, I guess the premise of it, I was like, this is interesting. Is that the main girl? So she, we meet her when she's like kicked out of the house by her mother. I believe she's like 17. She kind of goes on a road trip to find her birth father. And I guess like when she was two, she like bit a baby's ear. Like this is like something that's ingrained in her that she's very ashamed of. So it's not really a, so it's like, I think it really not as much of a choice for her. Again, this is a fantasy. This is a world where it has its own rules. We know that this isn't real life, but I think it's not as simple. It's not like. You know, it's not a character who's like, oh, like Hannibal Lecter. We're not talking about that. We're talking yeah. about this, like, obviously it's an allegory for, you know, the parts of us that we're ashamed of, yeah. which yes. I think is very relatable, especially with women. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's this idea of like, can, can you find love when you feel like you're not a good person or you feel like you have these shameful parts about you? Yeah. I think it sounds fantastic. So yeah, I wrote that down. I'm gonna check it out, and I'll. Um, and I'm gonna read that. So maybe then we can maybe we can like talk after yeah. about the book. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Um. But anyways, yeah. Sorry that that wasn't very rapid fire of me. I, I really apologize. That's okay. Uh, we can be more rapid. Are you okay? okay let me be rapid fire. Okay. <laughs> You're okay to go over time. I'm okay. Yeah, I'm okay. Okay. So the next one is, which Cherry Chat made you the most nervous to film? Oh, I think maybe um, when I made Kalamaui, because from Moon Knight, because I love her so much. I was such a big fan of the series. So I was, and it was my first MCU interview. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I think That's I was cool. just like, really, I was just a lot of. A lot of just nerves of like, don't screw this up. Right. Yeah. I feel that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which interview made you feel the most rewarded? Ugh. These are really good questions. You're so good at this. It's genuinely just like things that I honestly wonder. I'm like, okay, let me write that down. Because oh sometimes you don't ask the questions we genuinely want to know the answers to. It's but so true. Oh my gosh. That's such a good question. Damn. 
what most rewarding, maybe also, I'm just going to go with, maybe this is a cop out, but also May's interview because I was so nervous about it. And because I think it was one of my favorite interviews also. And it was so rewarding because it felt, it was such a conversation into it with so many nerves worried that I was going to kind of screw it up because I knew that a lot of people would tune in because it's MCU. These are beloved characters. Um, and it was such a wonder, it just like exceeded my expectations. And it was like, so rewarding. That was just like a really beautiful moment for me. I love that. Okay. This one is also one of my favorite questions is what's an interview question that you never dare to ask, but really want to know the answer to. (laughs) Cause I, that's a really good question. Right. And I was like, I wonder. Oh my God. That's so funny. I know. I mean, like, listen, and you know, this, you watch my chats. I try never to pry into the personal. Yeah. I just think that it's a, uh, I think it's a low ball thing to do. Um, You know, maybe at the end of the day, I consider myself a kind journalist. Maybe I'm not um, a ruthless journalist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of, I think that it's not necessarily it's more of a question that would be specific to the guest. If I knew that it's more like, it would be more like taking it if we were just alone in a room and I could tell that we were going well, I might be like, so how, what, like a lot of it too is just um, being curious of like, if I know that there was a story where there was like abuse or, um, you know, um, something, what's the word? Like something that happened that went down in a, on a set or with, oh, yeah. you know, like if I was interviewing someone that I knew had a really bad experience filming X movie or working yeah. with X coworker, it, it wouldn't necessarily be like, I would want to, I would just more want to have a conversation of like, how are you doing? Like, I think it's more just, um, that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and it's a fine line of like reading the room. And sometimes, yeah. sometimes it goes there. Like, I remember I was, I was interviewing Charisma Carpenter. Do you know who that is from? I don't. It's like, it's okay. She, she was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, okay. The original. Oh wow! Yeah, and then she was in the spinoff show Angel. Mm. This is all when I was like your age, or maybe younger. I was like younger than you at this point. Um, <laughs> this was all like you know early on when CW was like WB and like you know all yeah. of those early shows. But she was a big like you know big star um, during that time and did a lot of those like kind of high school like kind of like YA focused shows. And when we were chatting, I I didn't like ask a personal question, but it led to her sort of talking about, you know, not so great experiences that she had in her youth sort of on set. Um, She wasn't too specific, but she was definitely kind of having a moment of feeling safe and talking about like how shitty it was for her back in the day. And then like a couple of days after that, it was everywhere on the press about how Joss Whedon, who created Buffy the Vampire Slayer, he went on to, you know, 
um, went on to direct like the first Avengers movie and like um, that he, that she suffered like abuse by him, like verbal abuse on Buffy and that he was like really discriminatory, especially toward, you know, a lot of the women on set. And I was like, oh my God, that's what she was referring to. But the, I didn't pry because I don't like to pry, right? I don't want to, I just want my guests to tell me as much as they feel comfortable telling me. But in certain circumstances, it's like, I wish I could just keep just more. Yeah, just because it's like, I almost want to like be there for them. Like, it's hard not to dig deeper in those moments. Yeah. Yeah. I, for sure. That makes a lot of sense for me in my brain. Mm. When I ran that question, I was like, I just want to know how much everyone's getting paid. <laughs> you make. I want to know. I would never ask. I'll Google that. You probably Google that. Probably, yeah. I would never ask, but I just. Oh, I like, know. You're like so. Um, yeah, like it's true. <laughs> it's just like, and I told my friend that, and she's like, "No, one hundred percent. You're right. I would want to know that too." And I'm like, "Right." Um, <laughs> Right, I know. Um, a character that you always wish you could play, because I know sometimes I watch TV and I'm like, oh, I would die to play that character. Oh my gosh, so many, so many, so many. I mean, I love, I truly love all genres. So I think a part of me would love to be like, I would have like as a kid, I wanted to be like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like speaking of vampires, um, I always wanted to do an action like sequence um I just want to be like badass um you know be a spy or be like I feel like that's so unassuming people meet me they don't like they don't go there they're not like Meg mm-hmm. spy. we're like yeah. Meg, action star you know yeah. but that is I would love that I, um or like in a western or you know I'm just like I'm just a badass like yeah picking uh- in um in college, we were asked this question, mm-hmm. and me too. I was like, I want to be a badass. I was like, I want to be a bad bitch. That's what I said. And um, I know everyone's looking at me. They're like, You are five feet tall. You look five years old. I'm like, And what about it? I can still That's play. So cool. But- it's like there's so many different types of like. You know, I mean, what is the word hero even mean? Or like, what does, you know, these characters don't have to be defined by just one thing. You know, we can be, we can be out there doing espionage and like, like doing assassinations and like, kicking butt. like, who says we can't? Yeah, exactly. Um, What is your biggest turnoff that movies or shows do? Ooh, I think it have to be. Honestly, and this is like why we started the podcast, Cherry Pop. I think that it's um, so it's such a it's such a turnoff, but it's also so problematic. Yeah, that where when sex or anything to do with sort of intimacy mm-hmm. is shot through the male gaze, um, yeah. it's so problematic. Um, yeah, that just like really upsets me. And I think that because yeah. I love, I'm also a huge romance. Mm-hmm. And I like, I mean, like, I love, I like, love a good sex scene. I think yeah. it's like, you know, I love a good sex scene. And I think that there's a way to satisfy everyone. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. I um, I grew up kind of. I was one of those kids who I was allowed to watch whatever growing up um, with my parents or whatever. So with my grandma, she introduced me to the Halloween movies, and so I grew wow. up. So at a young age, I grew up watching Halloween, Scream, all of those like horror classics. Um, and then at home, uh, I would watch with my mom and dad, like American Pie, the Van Wilders and all of that. And so that's how I grew up viewing sex really was such in the male gaze. Like nobody is watching American Pie and being like, that's how girls like it, right? Yeah. And so I was actually watching it again last week because I got COVID. Oh, and I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. I got, I was teaching kids acting and they gave me COVID. Um, but yeah, American Pie was on and I was rewatching it and I was like, oh boy, like what? No, that's not how it is. So yeah, yeah, I, I understand the frustration there where it's, it's like, we need to, we need to redo all of this. And redo. Let's call for a redo. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, what's your and your husband's go-to date night watch? Ooh. Um, I think it depends on like, like right now we both are really into For All Mankind on okay. Apple Plus, which is like, I have to give a shout out to that show because I was hesitant to watch it because my husband loves he's a, you know, he loves tech. He's like a robot. He loves space. Um, and so I immediately kind of judged it thinking it was going to be sort of this like very male dominated, like, like astronaut NASA TV show. It's extremely feminist. Mm. There's so many incredible female characters. Um, and it's, it's like secretly the most, one of the most feminist shows on television. Like it's, it's, um, yeah, it's fabulous. So it's like a show that we both love so much. So that's like, that would be like, tonight. it comes out, I think it came out last night at, you know, like, you know, like 9pm or whatever, midnight, whatever. But yeah. that's like a typical like Thursday, Friday night, date night, like put on for all mankind, have some popcorn and just, you know, both genuinely love what we're watching. Oh, I love that. I love when shows do that where you know it's never judge a book by its cover right mm-hmm. uh, yes. or to do mm-hmm. or to not do okay so we're gonna play an, a game okay um, called you know it two truths and a lie but mm-hmm. about care uh people that you've interviewed oh wow okay yeah so um i think they're pretty easy but we'll find out okay uh, so Mia Healy, the Wilds. Mm-hmm. So number one, Mia flew to LA for her Shelby callback. Number two, before booking the Wilds, Mia was in a movie called The Changeover. Okay. Number, number three, Mia put her rings on um, after a day of filming to get grounded and back into Mia, the person. Wow. One of those is a lie. I want to say that the ring is not a lie. Okay. You have to, you have to guess <laughs> a lie, and I'll tell you if you're wrong. 
Oh, it's been such a minute since I like looked at her IMDb page. So I don't know. Like, would they have had auditions in LA? I'm going to go with the first one, Zalai. Okay. That's actually the truth. She flew flew from Australia to LA for her callback. Um, She wasn't in a movie called The Changeover. That was edited. Oh, I was gonna go with number two, but I went with number one because I felt like it was kind of a trick question. And I was like, yeah, everyone flies to LA, you know, but okay, but I I love the thing about the rings. I think that's, um, I love to hear those little, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right, all right. Okay, Sarah Catherine Hook, first kill. Mm -hmm. Um, Number one. Sarah stars in a soda stream commercial. Number two, she's 27 years old. And number three, Juliet was not her first queer character that she played. Whoa. These are some deep cuts. These are good. Are they? I thought I was, it was really hard to find these facts. This is very good. A soda, she's in a soda stream commercial. She, um, this isn't her first queer character she's played and she's and 27. I don't think she's 27. Okay. Is that the lie that you're saying? I think that's the lie. That's, she is 27. Oh my gosh, I'm so bad at this. Juliet was her first queer character. Okay. Yeah. I have a soda stream commercial. I'm not right? I'm this, am I? Okay, Yasmin Fletcher, who we talked about earlier. Love her. Right? Okay, she's originally from Las Vegas. Mm. Two, she thought that she would be a singer, not an actress growing up. And three, Yasmin loves to snowboard. These are all fantastic facts. I hope number three is true, because that's really rad. Um Grew up. Gosh, see, these are the details that I don't look into. (laughs) Yeah. No, yeah, I don't think it's interesting. Well, that's interesting. I sometimes don't. Yeah, like I can't. Sometimes I feel like I usually always look, I usually always research where they're from in case someone's from where I'm from and then it's a nice little icebreaker. Yeah. Um, You know what I mean? But I can't remember where she's right. from at the moment. And it makes sense. Like, I'm going to go with the number one's the lie. Okay, you're right. Number one is the lie. She's from Orange County. Not from Las Vegas. I think I actually remember that. I think I remember that she's from California. Like, yeah. from close by. Yeah. Okay. Alana Ubach. Mm-hmm. Euphoria. Love. Also, Legally Blonde. Yeah. Number one, she was originally supposed to audition for Rue's mom. Number two, she's done voiceover work for the video game Grand Theft Auto. And number three, Alana is not set to be in Legally Blonde 3, which anyways is canceled. No, that's a lie. Okay, yeah. Yeah, easy. That's a lie. Um, But I thought it was interesting that she was supposed to audition for Rue's mom, which is Zendaya's mom. Um, yeah, yeah. That and then she, thing. right? She found out that Zendaya was going to play Rue, and she's like, "I don't think I'm fit to be um, that character." But yeah. that would have been such a different vibe. I mean, I cannot. Oh, yeah. be, I she is so good 
at, I mean, it's so good. It's like, especially in season two, like give that woman an an award. Like her play was incredible. So good. I loved it. Okay. Um, the next one is Elaine Hendricks, who you just um, interviewed. Okay. Okay, okay so Elaine, this is a little more fresh. A little bit, yep. Elaine was not the first actor to play Alexis Carrington. That's Number true. two, she would not wear any clothes in real life that Alexis wears. Mm-hmm. And number three, she almost didn't take the role as Alexis because it was too similar to Meredith Blake, her parent trap character. I think it. That's so, okay. So this is literally like off my, okay. So I know that number one is true. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, we did talk about clothes in the interview and she did say that she wouldn't, I can't remember if she was like, I think number three is the lie. Okay. I want to say I wrote this one as I was watching your interview as well. So that's why it's similar. Number three is the lie. Yeah. Hey, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good now. I feel my confidence has come back mm-hmm. from those, um, you know. Right. The next one is Brenda Song. Love her. We love Brenda. Mm-hmm. I, I grew up with her. Watched from Sweet Life on Deck and Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, Brenda started acting and modeling at five years old. Mm. Number two. She was originally auditioned for Maddie, or sorry, she originally auditioned for Maddie in The Sweet Life and not London Tipton. Number three, she wasn't allowed to audition for Crazy Rich Asians. Ooh. I feel like number three isn't, I feel like, wait, what's the first? The first one is she acted and modeled at five. The second one that she originally auditioned for, um, not her character on Sweet Life. And she wasn't allowed to audition. I feel like that's too specific to be a lie. Mm. Last one. Um, I don't know when she started. I'm going to go with two is the lie. Number one is the lie. Like, you know, I feel like it could have been either or that. that I also, it's like hard because you don't know the ages. Why wasn't she allowed to audition for um, Crazy Rich Asians? You, they viewed her to not be Asian enough. <gasps> Rude. Right? She was really upset about that. Um, oh, Brenda. Right? I feel awful. Um, Cynthia Bailey, who was who was a housewife, who but was is, housewife. Now, is now doing the acting thing. Mm-hmm. Those are um, for me when I have to watch those. See, I have to really do research for those. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't want like I, you know, um, but yeah, Cynthia Bailey, who now makes delicious cocktails, which I served in yeah. a bridal shower. Oh, nice! Love that. Um, <laughs> in a movie called Cruel Instruction, that actually one of my uh, teachers in oh. was in as well. Oh, so nice. I. So number one, she created a modeling and fashion school. Mm. Number two, her favorite topic in school was math. And number three, she is a self-proclaimed potato salad queen. Wow. Quite random, right? Yeah, I feel like that has to be true. And I I love potato salad. Um, Started a, what was the middle one again? Second one? Uh, That her favorite topic in school was math. 
I'm going to go with one's the lie. Number two's the lie. Uh, I got that. This map. Because that, I feel like that was too specific, too. Like, you're very good at making these things up. Because I was like, where would she come up with that then? Like, right. <laughs> reading, I would just Google their names and then facts. And I would take a fact and then just twist it into the lie. Because otherwise, I'm like, how do I create lies for people I don't know, right? Yeah, no, I was like, that feels very specific. So, um, wow, okay. Uh, the next one is Jeannie Mai. Mm-hmm. Uh, who I know her from the real, yeah. Uh, but she also did a project about human trafficking, um, which I didn't watch, but I watched that interview and I was, as I was watching it, kind of was getting angry just by the statistics that she was saying. It was, I recommend people watch that one because it is an eye-opening interview. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So she is a germaphobe. Hmm. She was the first Vietnamese American to co-host a talk show. Hmm. And she always knew that she wanted to be a mother. Oh, I'm going to go with thir- three is the lie. Mm-hmm. She never wanted kids. And now she has a daughter, I believe. Yes. Wow. That's yeah. why, yeah, that's why too, it's like, that's a great, I love that fact because, you know, we change, we evolve. You know, just because we feel one way, I mean, you can obviously be strong in your convictions and sometimes they right. run through and they stay true, but um, sometimes we don't know, you know, see what Right. Exactly. Um, okay. So let's switch gears quickly now to okay. uh, focusing on feminism here. So growing up, who were the kind of the women that you looked up to? Mm. Um. Oh my gosh, so many. Um, it's so funny because growing up, like when I was little, yeah, there weren't as many, um, there weren't as many like um, female filmmakers or um, I didn't actually even know like one female director when I was growing oh, up, yeah. Um, yeah. which was such a bummer. Um, but yeah, that's such a great question. Um, I mean, I always loved, I think that like, I always loved Meryl Streep, um, mm-hmm. growing up. I think that she, she's someone who's obviously been around for a while, but she's always, yeah. she's always chosen such great work. She's always had such, um, she's always had such a wonderful sense of self, um, mm-hmm. I think on and off camera. And she's someone, I also always admired that she, you know, wasn't necessarily like conventionally like hot. She's beautiful and gorgeous. Yeah. Just like yeah. I've always just admired. Same with Diane Keaton. I think like Diane Keaton also was like a big influence. Um, just women that sort of were confident and talented as hell. Um, and again, like was such a fan of their work. Um, and yeah, it's crazy. Like when I was little and then obviously as I got older, like I loved like Catherine Bigelow, like Hurt Locker was like one of my favorite films. And I like watching her win the, you know, oh, she didn't. Yeah, no, she didn't win for directing. She wasn't nominated, right? Something crazy happened. But seeing that film, yeah, seeing that film win Best Picture, and um, that was a big sort of like eye-opening experience for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, 
I love, and then obviously like, I mean, I love like Viola Davis, like watching her career. Um, yeah. But when I was little, I would say like Diane and Meryl were just, they're just the OGs. Like, yeah. Yeah. No kidding. For me growing up, it would be the Disney stars, like Miley Cyrus, Selena Gomez, like of my time. But what instead for me, my dad was very much into female singers. Oh, and yeah. I grew up listening to Kelly Clarkson, um, Lady Gaga, uh, Shania Twain, uh, Black Eyed Peas, Fergie. Like I, so that's what I really grew up with. Madonna. I remember never remembering Madonna's name and being like, dad, I want to listen to that girl. She has red hair. <laughs> like, you know, talking about like God or something. And he's like, like a prayer. And I'm like, yes, that one. That's cute. Oh yeah. I loved Madonna. I yeah. loved Madonna growing up. And I also was like, also like really like taken aback and excited by her boldness and her like yeah you know how just on unap- a she was just herself on unap- unapologetically herself yeah always and that was like very exciting yeah i love that um so cherry picks as a company is like we've talked about very female focused why was that a decision that was made because it's so easy to talk about pop culture as a whole, hmm. but you guys do really focus on on talking about equality and not you never ever shame men or bring men down because that's not what equality is. Mm-hmm. Um, so why why do you think that it's important for cherry picks and for your work to be so female focused? Yeah, I think it was like our our founders Miranda Bailey and Rebecca Oates kind of you know. Um, just saw that there wasn't really a space um, like cherry picks. And, and and because a big part of also the company is that we, we have the cherry score. So we're, we're kind of akin to Rotten Tomatoes in that way, where we, you know, we collect reviews from female and non-binary critics. And because at the time when the, the company was founded, there is a big, like, it was a really big problem that wasn't really being addressed that specifically female, specifically women of color weren't getting access to premieres or to screeners or to festivals um, as much as their sort of like white male um, colleagues. And so the company was really founded on this like idea that there should be equality um, among sort of the critical community. Um, And I think that that sort of, you know, from, from that, from that start, we sort of then started examining sort of the same essence of that, but in every different sort of facet of the entertainment industry. That's so awesome. Cause yeah, really other than cherry picks, there's like nobody who, who does what you guys do. And that's awesome to be that for people, young women, uh, girls like me and older women for everyone. So it's really, and for men as well, who want to, it's for everyone. And I love that so much. Yeah. So talk about something that is very, very important in the world. I like to say mainly America, but okay. 
I think in Canada, it's just as important to talk about, which is that the Supreme Court overturned the Road versus Wade um, abortion law, which isn't about um, anything really other than taking a choice away from females towards their own bodies, their own human being, which would never, ever be a thing that, you know, would be towards men. There would never be anything where a man can't have their own right, his own rights to his body. Mm-hmm. And so um, I wanted to talk to you about this because, you know, talking about taking three steps forward and five ste- steps back, this decision is that. It's yeah. a step back, not just a step back, but a step in the wrong direction for the future. And it's scary as even a Canadian who it doesn't affect me, but I always say it's our world and it's our planet that we share. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't matter that I'm your neighboring country because my country listens to yours, right? And we do the same things. So Mm -hmm. I just wanted to talk about it because it's so important. Yeah, absolutely. It's so devastating and frustrating and unfair. And it's, it's just that that was a really dark day, you know, here in the States, um, when we all officially found out that, you know, Roe v. Wade was overturned. Um, It was, it was just so shocking, even though I think we all sort of unfortunately, like kind of knew it was coming. It was still such a shock. Mm-hmm. Um, and I completely understand, like, you know, I'm in California, California is very liberal. Like if I needed to get an abortion tomorrow, it would not be a problem here. Um, you know, I recently went through some reproductive health issues, um, mm-hmm. that I was extremely, even though painful and traumatic, I was extremely grateful that like I lived in, I live where I live. Yeah. Um, and so I understand how you feel in that sense, because even though I'm in the U S California is like, you know, and, but I feel the same way where it's like, to know that these choices are, if, you know, if, if I went to, you know, I have a wedding to go to in Missouri Mm. in September and it's like heartbreaking to think that I'll step foot. I mean, I'm you know, obviously very excited to attend the wedding. Um, yes. It's a family wedding, but like it's heartbreaking to and shocking and surreal mm-hmm. to feel like there, there's, there will be women around me or, or, you know, people, people with vaginas. Cause you know, not everyone identifies right. a woman who has a vagina, yeah. but that, won't have those rights and it's it's like it's heartbreaking it's truly it's 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 truly heartbreaking and I think that what we have to keep doing is just keep fighting and I think like to the point even though you're in Canada and folks that are in Canada or wherever you are or if you're in a state where those rights are not taken away from you that doesn't mean we sit back and we don't do anything we keep yeah. fighting we keep spreading the word um and you gotta just vote 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 yeah. vote that's why voting is so important and like i mean i mean we saw that in kansas in kansas recently 
You know, the voters do not always reflect who's in, you know, doesn't reflect the government of that state because we saw that the, the, you know, the people of Kansas, the sweet, sweet, wonderful people of Kansas were like, no, this. Yeah. Um, so we see the power of the vote. Um, and so I think it's just, we're angry, we're upset, but now it's like time to take that, like anything in life, you can be, you can, you can mourn and you can, you know, um, grieve and be angry, but then you got to get your butt up and, you know, put those feelings to action. Yes, absolutely. And we post about it on social media and we talk about it as much as we can. And we do, I mean, I don't have a big platform yet, but I do everything that I can now because really the most important thing is to talk about it and to spread awareness because that's what we can do. We can't single-handedly change the votes, but we can talk about it and have conversations and, and educate people on why this decision is so harmful Mm -hmm. because it's, it's not, people are, um, sometimes they see it as one way and it's, it's way more than what, uh, certain people might think that this decision is. And even Mm -hmm. in, um, here, Canada, we recently had this one weird law be made that it's, if someone is too intoxicated, whether it's alcohol or drugs, to have full control over their body that they will not be charged harshly or possibly even at all if they rape someone or kill someone. So, okay. I mean, we're we're screwed up over here, too. So, no, you know, I- it's everywhere. It's everywhere. I know, but I know it's always like the default thing to be like, well, we'll just move to Canada because, you know, <laughs> but if- yeah everyone there is no perfect I mean I think it's like there's no perfect place but we do our best to try to make our homes and our country as perfect as we can you know it's like we um and we just fight for what we believe in and we like spread the word and there's so many different ways to like activism is this like beautiful thing that can be you know can um have many shapes and forms Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah. Well, um, thank you so much for coming on. I know I kept you much longer than an hour. It's okay. but, it was a delight. It was, was lovely. Uh, thank you. I was wondering if there are any plans um, for Cherry Chats to extend and expand out of Instagram, or are we staying there? We hope. I mean, I think that's the goal. That is the goal. Always. We always want to expand. So keep your fingers crossed. Keep your fingers crossed. Put out the good vibes. Um, That's always the goal. The goal. We're always trying to grow and expand. So hopefully, hopefully, hopefully I will put it out in the universe for you. Um, so what, what's the Instagram handle? Where can people find you and cherry chat? Oh my gosh. So many places. So for all, you know, for cherry picks, we're at the cherry picks everywhere, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. And then my personal handle is I'm at Meg. Um, oh my God. What's my handle? Is it not just Meg McCarthy? No. No, you ever forget your handle? I just no forgot. because mine's just Alexa Joe McCarthy. There you go. 
There you um, go. I, that's so funny that I forgot my handle. <laughs> I think yeah. it's like, don't you like forget your phone number or like yeah. how old you are? Yeah, um, you. Um, okay, let's start that over. It's at <laughs> Meg Joe McCarthy. So that's M E G. J-O-M-C-C-A-R-T-H-Y. Because Meg McCarthy is the most common name in the universe. Really? Oh, my God. Like, I, and when I go to a pharmacy, like, there are three of us. When I go to a doctor, there's so many. I think just specifically in my age bracket. So, um, Meg McCarthy was taken. But Joe Henning is my married name. There you go. I put the Joe in there. I see you. It's so cute. It's so funny because I was telling my friend that Meg McCarthy was coming on and she goes, Oh, I feel so bad. Her name's Meg McCarthy, like the Meg McCarthy. And I'm like, Who's <laughs> Meg McCarthy? And I'm like, You mean Melissa McCarthy? And she's like, Yes, Melissa McCarthy. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you're so funny. No, there's so many, like, there's so McCarthy. many McCarthy's. Like, it's just like, it's so common. It's, I love saying it though, McCarthy, like something about it is, I I love saying it. Good. Yeah. It's a good ring to it. I dig it. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Meg McCarthy for coming on. I had so much fun. Um, and I hope you enjoyed your time here. Are you kidding me? I had a blast. You're so wonderful at this. You are so, so good at it. Do not like keep it up. Keep it up. Um, truly like you are, you, you're like joy for, for film and television and, you know, feminism and female, everything is contagious and you're so good and you're intuitive and just keep it up. Thank you. It was intimidating because this is your profession. This is your job and you are amazing at it. So I was like, oh, I'm like, this is my day off. Like I am like, I love, I get to like, just sit back and like, you're so wonderful that this was like a piece of cake. Thank you. Thank you for doing this on your day off. That's no problem. Well, I had so much fun with this interview talking to Meg McCarthy. Um, I hope you guys had fun listening to it as well. Check her out on all her socials as well as the Cherry Picks social media. Give her a follow. Give Cherry Picks a follow. I think you guys will love all the content that they post. And have a great day, enjoy the rest of your week, and I will see you next week, well, next Wednesday. Have a good one, bye.